Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast with the Packer and talking all things ag tech. I'm your host, Rob Collins, Marketing Director at SAG Technical Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melinda Goodman of Full Tilt Marketing. So, hey, Melinda, it's been a while and uh, what's new? I'm not going to answer that question today. I mean, nothing's new with me, but I'm going to turn the tables today. What's new with you? You just got back from Australia. You First time you've been home, pre, you know, post-COVID, three years-ish, I suspect. You've got a lot of new things and, and fun to talk about today. I do, but some of those things have to stay down under, Melinda. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I got impacted by the COVID lockdowns. Australia quite literally locked the country down, and they're very, very particular about the biodiversity of the nation and protecting that. And so I hadn't seen my family I don't know, four or five years actually. And so it was nice to to get back down there and see people in 3D rather than on a on a screen. Was it everything you hoped it could be? Excited to go back home? Yeah, as remembered, you know, it was great apart from all the Australians. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Enough about me. As you know, Melinda, I'm always excited. I've got my excited voice on. And today we have Tim Bussey, the Chief Financial Officer of Zag Technical Services, with us to talk about budgeting for IT. So we often talk about technology from the point of view of the tech itself or from how it is being deployed, say, in an orchard or a farm. Today, I thought it'd be interesting to be talking about it from the point of view of budgeting. So we have Tim with us. So Tim has 20 years of financial and operational leadership experience in the tech sector, from small startups and nonprofits to public companies like Apple, the big four CPA auto firms, and his education also includes an MBA in finance and marketing from Northwestern Kellogg School of Management. So Melinda, once again, we have a smarter guest than us. That never takes much, like... No. It doesn't. <laughs> That's so true. So some of your specialties include annual planning, forecasting, financial modeling, M&A, analytics, metrics, raising capital. So look, by the sounds of it, his financial expertise in tech aligns perfectly with today's fresh produce industry. So welcome, Tim, and thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Hey, Tim, we love having these big conversations. You know, Rob and I, as marketers, we're just kind of, we're students of the world. That's the reality that marketers go through, right? Like, we we need to know a little bit about everything to figure out how we, we talk about the audiences, but we never really know a lot about everything. So this is one of those opportunities we get to soak in all the good stuff from everybody else. But as the extrovert here, I always need to know more about what makes everybody tick when they come to the table. So you spent the majority of your career in other industries. You've been on Zag for six years now. How does working in agriculture and fresh produce, even if indirectly at SAG, how does it seem the same or different from what you've done in other industries? Or, or what do we do in ag and fresh produce that surprises you? Yeah, well, the first thing I'd like to say is that um, even though it is indirect, it, it is very much direct, as um, Rob knows as well, really immerse ourselves in the industry. But I have to admit, the big surprise for me was coming here after you know 20 plus years in, in pure tech. There's a certain arrogance about tech that I have to admit that I was a part of. And when you come into a different, I think almost any other industry, you assume they're not as sophisticated as you are in tech because, I mean, what's more important than tech, right? Especially if you're working in it. So the big surprise here was how sophisticated agriculture is from a technology standpoint standpoint. And that surprised me. So I really appreciated that. It just created for a highly valuable partnership between us and them. But sort of along those lines, 
I also believe that because now that I've been both on the inside and the outside, I believe that sort of stigma about ag not being that sophisticated is also a belief by the so-called bad guys. And that's why they're somewhat inclined to target ag. I remember thinking a lot about this when I was first here and one of our first big clients was really hit hard. I just thought to myself, why would they, why would these bad guys from, you know, probably somewhere on the other side of the world, why would they target this, you know, little company in Salinas? But I think my personal belief is they do think that they're more vulnerable because, well, let's face it, they're farmers. <laughs> and the irony is I appreciate that you can look at our industry and, you know, realize that maybe there were some misconceptions and they're maybe not as true as you initially thought. But at the same time, you know, all joking aside, we always like to think whatever we do is the most important thing in the world. But I say it all the time, like feeding the world is the most important thing. Like there's no more important security, that very critical role in the hierarchy of needs of like feeding and sheltering yourself. And so food is most important. And just in your organization alone, we've heard Greg say it many, many times that like the safety of agriculture and our food supply chain is what makes a stronger America. So like you guys live it, breathe it every day. So thank you for coming here, for getting us, and now for helping achieve that mission of making us a stronger, more resilient food supply chain. Yeah, it's a really good point, Melinda. As you know, one of the things I love is getting into the field. It sort of actually makes me genuinely incredibly happy. I've seen very sophisticated tech in the field. I've seen AI in packing lines, robot pelletizers. You know, so to Tim's point, the industry actually is incredibly advanced. But at the same time, you know, we do continue to see cyber incidents in ag. But in fairness, we see them everywhere. And you know, the industry does, like every critical industry in America, need to pay attention to that. But in any case, that's a bit of a downer. So Tim, you know, ag companies, they are making these significant investments, very sophisticated, as you noted. And this does require planning. It doesn't happen by accident. So what would you say is perhaps the biggest challenge in agribusiness IT planning across a variety of different operations from front office, back office, farm processing? Yeah. One of the sort of distinctly differences in this industry is, I mean, what's the same is you're fighting for dollars basically when you're planning, because this is an investment area, right? And it's not front and center the way when we do visit our ad clients like Rob and I have done. It's not like visiting a software development shop where it's just a bunch of, you know, 20-somethings banging around a computer. We see magnificent processing complexes. We see, you know, machinery the size of skyscrapers, basically, right? So that's a real eye-opener in terms of, uh, yeah, wow, if I'm the guy determining where the money goes, I'm pretty sure it's going to go towards these big buildings and these gigantic machinery, right? So there's actually, there's actually a visible sort of realization of where the money has to go and what really makes things tick here. So on one hand, you're, you're fighting for dollars from your colleagues basically just like any other industry. But in this case, they're actually sizable physical objects that are pretty intimidating. But you know, you're still fighting for dollars. So um, you still have to make the case of, of why investment is important uh, on both the outside where the machines and fields are, but also on the inside protecting um, the valuable data. So I think that's really the intangible, right? Like this idea of fighting for dollars. And I've said this dozens of times it's easy for and because we we feel this in marketing too we have to fight for dollars it's easy to put a depreciation schedule on a new piece of equipment like you know what it is it's real it's tangible and then they're you know like i know what it's going to do for me i know if it's bigger faster whatever and it's going to do x amount more to improve my efficiency and then i'm going to depreciate it over x period of time marketing or it although it certainly has roi 
it's a little more intangible to explain and grab onto that. So every company is facing this now and they don't understand this potential of really, they have all this equipment that they've invested in and it could be software, it could be processes, it could be sensors. And now at every turn point, it's not simply a computer on a desk. They have to now go back and say, how do I look at all these giant investments I made and money I spent and make sure now they're operational and they're safe and they're doing what I'm supposed to. How do you help them understand technology, its requirement for maintenance, data solution, really the resource that it becomes in driving competitive advantage, not just spending that money up front, but like spending the money for maintenance. Yeah, this is another subject that's near and dear to our heart, Melinda, and I, I got to credit, you've already dropped a couple of the very key phrases that we live and breathe around here. And the one is uh, protecting our nation's food supply, which we have to keep front and center. That's part of why we exist here. But the other one is very much tied into our stated vision around here, which is any oh, world where uh, technology is a competitive advantage. And that is honestly for a little IT company in San Jose, a pretty audacious vision statement. That's essentially the way we expect to see the world, essentially, if we're achieving our mission right. So part of it is the education and connecting of the dots with our clients in terms of do they see IT as a competitive advantage in their distinct business? And I love having conversations with our client CFOs because we talk about a world of different things. But one of the places I like to start is, do you believe technology can be a competitive advantage? And some of them say no, <laughs> you know, which really puts the challenge in front of us, right? In some cases, when they're stuck to that philosophy, we have to walk away from them, right? Because we can either choose to educate them on why we believe, we don't just believe it, but this is why we exist, right? But if they're not going to sort of get on board or, or just not see that, and, and Robert, we've had clients where we had to walk away from them in the same way, if we don't have a value match with them in the, in the way we do things, if we don't have a vision match with what we believe the world needs to look like, we can't work together, right? So we just have to acknowledge that. But fortunately, for the most part, and again, back to the more sophisticated clients, they realize the different ways that technology can be a competitive advantage. In some cases, we've had conversation with CFOs where they'll actually cite examples. There was one, Rob, and I had a conversation with where one of our client competitors went down because of a tech failure. And our client jumped in basically and essentially took over some of that business because of our client's strength in their technology, they were able to increase business out of that particular incident. So it's an education with our clients and it's a buy-in of a philosophy. But I mean, this is part of our DNA. We firmly believe this is why we exist. And there can be a world where technology is a competitive advantage. And in many cases, it's difficult to sell because historically, technology has been a back office commodity, right? It's been just another sort of system or process resource that you invest in just to sort of keep the shop running, you know, much like payroll is or some of the, the true back office commodities that you typically outsource. But we believe, I mean, of course, we believe in outsourcing that technology too, because that's who we are. But it's not a back office, just keep the business running. It's a way to contribute to the competitive difference. Every company, big and small, relies on technology. From the field to the warehouse to administration, uptime stability is critical to your bottom line and to supply chain continuity. Cybersecurity is one of the greatest risks to modern agriculture. Contact Zag Technical Services for your technology risk assessment and let us check your tech. Visit zagtech.com. Yeah, it's such a good point. And I think, you know, we see certainly with clients who adopt that and have that approach, they uh, typically grow faster. 
you know, I'm going to assume they have better margins because they're able to invest in their company to grow faster. I think too, you know, is that we see technology has been in ag for a very hundreds of years, very, very long time, but it hasn't always been computer technology. And we're certainly seeing that, you know, Melinda and I, we've, we've talked about data and how data is sort of a, a commodity and the transformation of that data starts to extract value for companies and so forth. But hey, Tim, a little bit of a pivot question. You know, we're approaching, for a lot of companies who are on um, calendar year financials, we're approaching budget season or already in budgeting season. The million dollar question. Actually, let me let me preface this. You know, we are in budgeting season. And so if I come to you and say, hey, here are some benchmarks for how much people should be investing in marketing. No sane CEO is going to go, yeah, Rob, here's X number of dollars because you say that's the average. I mean, there has to be a business case, right? So the million dollar question though is, you know, how much in your experience, should a company be spending on their technology? I assume, like I said, there's no magic number there, but how do you think about it? Yeah. Rob likes to ask me this question because he knows I hate it because there's absolutely no mathematical equation out there that gets you to the answer here. I mean, there's of course, there's benchmark data and it's typically a percentage of revenue. And that, to me, that's nothing, if anything, a starting point, but nothing more than that. This goes back to the education. And this is funny because this is a topic that literally we just discussed yesterday in our senior staff meeting, because part of our job is, this goes back to the education of our clients, is to help them understand you know, where their needs are, where their vulnerabilities are, et cetera. And we've now started a new uh, practice with um, sort of one client at a time where we're going to start with their SWOT analysis. And I love this approach because it, number one, makes us look smart and mature, but it also makes us business partners with our clients, not just, again, the IT guys. So our sales guy is working on you know a, a client where they're going to pencil out, forget technology for a minute, pencil out, okay, your company, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Every company does this. So let's look at those. And then now let's tie how technology contributes or how you depend on technology or how does it play a role in all four places of that quadrant. And when we walk them through that exercise, it becomes obvious. I mean, they we walk them to the answer basically themselves because it becomes so obvious where, again, in those four quadrants, they are dependent upon technology to succeed. So that to me is a very exciting tool to assist them in, in getting to how much to why they need to invest in technology. And we should be, Rob mentioned the annual planning, we should be essentially inviting ourselves into annual planning is a massive pain in the ass. So if one of your partners comes and says, hey, are you planning for your technology investment for next year? Because I can help you with that. As a CFO, I'm going to say, I don't care what you're talking about. Yes, please come in and help me. In fact, here, do it for me. So I have a number to go to the from, an ex, from a so-called expert to take to the board and say, this is why we need to invest this much next year. Because whenever you put a budget or plan in front of a board, you get the reaction out of the spending areas that don't seemingly directly you know, connect to revenue, right? So if, if you've got a partner of some sort that does that math for you and uh, presents the, the case behind it, that's our entry point into getting in the budgets for, for our big clients. So there is no magic pill. It's strategy. It's goals. It's really finding out where does somebody want to go with their business. In fairness, just like a magic pill for our own health, we all want one. I want mine to taste like a cookie. Preferably chocolate chip would be great. At the end of the day, if there's not a fixed answer, how do you pivot these conversations and move them to a conversation about goals and not just about money? Because it's easy to get there. And I love that you said, we go into these conversations with CSOs and I, I talk about values and see if we're culturally aligned. What percent, you know, so not just how do you pivot that conversation, but how many of those CFOs are really in a position where they say, yes, tech is a competitive advantage and what can we do to get there? That's a good question. Many are in the middle area. 
it's maybe it's the first time they really thought about it, but yeah, now I can sort of see that, you know, keep talking, help me get there, uh, which is of course our job. Someone says to me, there is an opportunity for anybody listening to this podcast right now. Many of your competitors are in the middle. You know, you yeah. jump ahead by, by being up here. Yeah. Great, great point. Sorry. Yes. So no question. That is our job back to the education part of, of who we are to play out the options essentially. And then also not just connected to revenue and the upside, but the downside as well enter cybersecurity, right? Here's what you have at risk, basically. Here's what it takes to sort of mitigate and what is your risk appetite and what are you willing to take to the board, essentially, because that's how you would present that part of the puzzle to the board. There are many stories you can turn to where this has happened, right, and damaged, put some companies out of business. Gosh, I wish I had that one stat, Rob, that we like so much about the number of companies that were hacked or how much it cost them or what it was. I got to dig that up and have that at my fingertips. But some of the data out there, that's where, to me, that's where the data and benchmarking is extremely relevant when you see what has happened out there already, in particular in ag and small and medium-sized businesses. But present the uh, data and you know ask them how much risk they're willing to take. Yeah, it's a really good point. You know, we've seen data where I think Melinda it was like sixty or seventy known ag industry cyber incidents that were publicly disclosed. Like maybe this was twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two ish, if I recall, Melinda. But if, big ones, like big ones that are publicly traded. Yeah, if that's the public ones, imagine how many are not disclosed, and it's in the hundreds because we get called in to fix these things sometimes and we don't talk about it because it's a private business and it's their business and so yeah you know i think tim's right that not only is technology a competitive advantage from an investment point of view and a growth point of view but it's also weighs into cfo and a board's uh, risk mitigation considerations and that's where you know a firm like zag or you know any could be an internal it it team or a some other consultant is doing and looking at things like how one responds to an incident, incident response planning and uh, being prepared. I mean, the reality is that companies are impacted no matter how well prepared they are. And so the question not become not just making those investments in, for example, cybersecurity, but also investments in uh, ensuring they're able to respond appropriately and quickly. And our CEO, Greg, often says that the benchmark should be 24 hours, right? And yet we see publicly very large companies down for days and weeks, and that really is not acceptable. And so, you know, when we're looking at the risk mitigation, it has to also be about recovery and response and so forth. But anyways, so Tim, look, you know, thanks for joining us today. As I mentioned, we're, we're near the end of year. We know people are working on their budgets for new year. We hope IT obviously is part of those discussions. The knowledge that IT is the, the new farming input, as we like to say, and the tech is the uh, tool to help make the industry safer and more resilient and that we're able to protect our food supply chain and feed America. And so, Melinda, what are your thoughts from today? What was the big takeaway? I'll try and make it quick. I think number one, I was struck by, again, that I mentioned this opportunity to leap ahead of your competitors. If, if everybody's kind of sitting in the middle, maybe a little unsure of that competitive advantage for the guy who's willing to take a risk, there's almost like an instant win. And the irony that I see in that is like, produce is actually one of the riskiest things out there. You're relying on mother nature every day. So I, these are not risk averse people. So why not pick the thing that's really not all that risky, which is tech. I mean, in many ways, it's the least risky thing you can do. Number two, I love what you mentioned about benchmarking, right? We all think the benchmark is a number and 
and that number should be a dollar variable. And maybe that benchmark isn't a dollar variable. It's how many of your competitors have felt paid because we all want to know we're in line or better than our competitors. So it's maybe how we frame that or how we think about what a benchmark is. And then the other one is really about Tim and Zag. And it's the idea, I, I was perusing your website and it came across a little nugget the other day, uh, but Tim did some work internally at Zag to really assess your own things. And he realized one day that you weren't using data to make sure you as a company were hitting your competitive opportunity and you were growing. And so through data, you basically said, let's stop operating on gut instincts. Let's see if our gut instincts are true. And you were able to really use, you know, real-time analytics and predictive analytics to figure out how business reporting intelligence would really shift you into a data lead culture. Things that you were telling other people to do, what you were doing. And the minute you did, 20% growth in margins. So kudos to you. But that's the point. We all have blind spots, even in our own business, even if it's the thing that we do every day. Yeah, that's a great takeaway, Melinda. And yeah, I can say, you know, sitting within Zag, very, very data and analytics driven business. And I think nowadays there's not really an excuse for companies to not be that way. And so tech can play a role there. So Tim, as always, you know, thank you for uh, sharing your insights and for everyone today listening. Don't wait, get the tools you need to grab your competitive advantage and grow your business. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Thanks guys. Everybody.